Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Got a great story here from the Institute for Justice. They do great work. I've talked about them many times before. A lot of people sent me this press release because the IJ sent it out. But thank you very much. Um, I get them too. But I'm glad that people point this out because that makes sure I never miss something like this. But it's a big win. The appeals court has unanimously denied judicial immunity to a West Virginia judge who personally searched a home and ordered items removed. So uh, judges... Um, if they get sued, can say, you can't sue me for being a judge. And obviously, if you don't like a ruling from a judge and you sued them and you could do that, then nothing would ever get done in courts. So they are immune from lawsuits when they're doing their jobs. When they step outside of the realm of what their job is and do something wrong, you can sue them for that if judicial immunity is denied, and that's what happened here. So this is a case, got contentious, and a judge actually said, you know something, I want to go see that house myself. Let's reconvene in the house. And while there, started doing things such as ordering items removed from the house. What right does a judge have to do that? So here we are. Philip Suderman wrote this for the IJ. The Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals unanimously ruled in favor of a man in a suit against a former family court judge. The judge personally led a warrantless search of the man's house during a divorce proceeding that uh, she was overseeing as an act that both the Fourth Circuit and the West Virginia Supreme Court have now agreed, was outside her powers as a judge. You're a judge, you're not a god. There are limits to your powers. So the man is represented by the Institute for Justice, which, of course, is the national nonprofit law firm that protects constitutional rights. Today is a victory not just for Matthew, but for everyone who stands before a judge in a court of law and expects a fair hearing, says the Institute for Justice senior attorney Patrick Giacomo. The separation of powers exists for a reason, No one person can be judge, jury, and executioner. Checks and balances must be maintained to ensure a fair and free society, and judges who act beyond their constitutional mandate should not expect the protection of immunity. And I met Patrick. I met him at the retreat a couple weeks ago in California. The man whose home was invaded by the judge said, this has been a hard-fought battle, and I'm relieved to have the court agree these violations of my rights cannot stand. I'm particularly pleased to know that the court's ruling will not only safeguard my rights, but the rights of countless others who might otherwise suffer abuse at the hands of overstepping judges who think their robes hide them from the Constitution they're sworn to uphold. And one of the things you got to remember is a judge always has two sides in front of them, litigating, this side versus that side. It's almost always the case. And so when the judge does something that so egregiously favors one side over the other, you got to look at it and go, wait, what? <laughs> We're going to go to your house and poke around. Along with qualified immunity, judicial immunity is one of the many court-created doctrines that shield government workers from constitutional accountability. Let's see now. We talked about qualified immunity for police that was invented out of whole cloth by courts. Who do you suppose invented the immunity for judges? Oh, judges. (laughs) I wonder why they did that. Anytime you've got a group of people who invent a law to protect themselves, you got to look at it and go, Really? But unlike qualified immunity, judicial immunity is absolute, meaning when judges do things in their judicial capacity, they simply cannot be sued. However, judges are not entitled to do whatever they want and then demand a special treatment just because they happen to wear a robe at work. They cannot, for instance, act like police and search homes. And if they do, they can't claim judicial immunity. I mean, you know, it's sad because this is the kind of thing where you say it and goes, yeah, it makes complete sense. Well, yeah, but we had to litigate this in state courts and now federal courts to get where we are. That's 
Crazy. But that's exactly what happened in Raleigh County, West Virginia, during divorce proceedings between Matthew and his ex-wife. Um, the judge in the family court there personally forced her way into Matthew's home under threats of arrest to search for items that were in dispute. Accompanied by the man's ex-wife, her attorney, and a bailiff, among others, the judge walked barefoot through the house, ordering the man's ex-wife to seize things that she saw, such as DVDs, yearbooks, and pictures off the wall. Some of the items did not belong to the ex-wife. And when the man tried to record the encounter, the judge threatened him with arrest. So anytime you're in your own home and things are happening and they won't let you film what's happening in your own home, you can suspect that something bad is happening. So when the man sued the judge for these violations, the judge argued that she could not be sued even if she'd acted unconstitutionally because she was immune as a judge. Judicial immunity. I can do anything I want. She was ultimately censured and fined and roundly condemned by the West Virginia High Court for violating the state's code of judicial conduct. She ended up retiring from her position amid a legislative push to impeach her for violating the rights of West Virginians. The resolution to impeach her specifically mentioned the judge leading a warrantless search of this man's home. Now, despite her retirement, the man and the Institute continued moving forward with their lawsuit against her, wanted to ensure that the egregious violation would not happen again and that the doctrine of judicial immunity would not expand. So they want to make sure that this doesn't just go away quietly. They want people to say this one was too far, and we want them to recognize that and mark that as a point too far. So this is a part of IJ's project on immunity and accountability, which fights to ensure that qualified judicial and prosecutorial immunities, among others, do not prevent individuals from vindicating their rights in court. If citizens must follow the law, government officials must follow the Constitution. So you're going to ask and say, Steve, let's play devil's advocate here for just a moment. Just a moment. Let's suppose you've got, and again, I've said before, I don't ever want to be a judge. I have no interest in being a judge. But Steve, you woke up one morning and like Kafka... Instead of being a cockroach, you woke up, you're a judge. How'd you find yourself here? <laughs> I'd rather wake up a cockroach. But you woke up a judge. You're on the bench as you're waking up out of that hazy fog you wake up in on most mornings. And you look out and there's two sides doing this. And you calm down, calm down. Steve hasn't had his Diet Coke yet. Hang on. What's the problem? You, tell me the problem. And the attorney for the ex-wife goes, he's got stuff in the house, belongs to my client, won't give it back. Okay. Ex-husband, soon to be. Attorney, do you agree with that? No. There's nothing in the house that belongs to her. She took it all when she left. Okay. We now have a quandary. One person says yes, one person says no. I'm not in the house, thank God. So I don't know who's telling the truth. Is there a way to solve this problem? Is there a way to solve this problem? Let's think now. Let's, let's assume that we can find at least one adult on each side of the equation who's willing to solve a problem. How would you solve this problem? I would solve the problem by saying, is it possible 
that the four of you, client attorney, client attorney, that the four of you could arrange to walk through the house. I'm assuming this is the marital house, but if it wasn't, that might be a different story altogether. But the four of you could walk through the house and point at things. Say, I think that's mine. I think that's mine. And make a list of the things you're disputing. Now, if it's not the marital house, let's suppose that this guy moved out. Let's suppose they both moved out into separate homes. And she's simply saying that he's got stuff of hers that he took with him when he left. Is there any way to do this? And there, of course, is. You say, how about this? All four of you go walk through his house. All four of you go walk through her house. And you make a list of the things that you think the other side's got. We're going to come in here one day and, 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 like, and like adults that we pretend to be, figure this stuff out. And by the way, one of my favorite stories of all time involving this, and, and I assumed it was untrue when I first heard it, but look up Beanie Baby Divorce. Beanie Baby Divorce. There was a couple that had a huge Beanie Baby collection. And when they got divorced, they fought over it. And the judge said, you guys are fighting over Beanie Babies. They said, yes. The judge goes, okay, what do you want me to do about it? And they're both, well, I, I, I want the purple-toed dragon. No, no, I, I, want, I want the Australian hippo. Judge actually said, bring them on to court, dump them on the floor, take turns. There's photographs of two grown people on the floor of a courtroom dividing up Beanie Babies. That's stuff courts have got to put up with. So, unfortunately, the Beanie Babies are not the best example, but I'm simply pointing out that's the links that people go to. On the other hand, if you said, Steve... Uh, you know that when you got divorced, I noticed that a bunch of your microphones disappeared from behind your set, and they're all over in your ex-wife's house. Did you know that? I'd be like, yeah, I want my microphones back. Those are mine. <laughs> I've had that microphone right there since 1984. 1984. That's my microphone. There's no question that's my, my microphone. But, but the question really is, how do you resolve this? And the re- resolution is not for the judge to just impose herself into the equation and go, okay, you get that, you get that. That's not how it works. Just so you know, when judges act, they're supposed to be acting on the record. Was there a court transcriber sitting there typing down every word she said in that, in that house? I don't think so. So that can't be an official act of the court. So why is she there? And so getting back to my earlier thing about, you know, they can all walk through one house and all walk through the other house. I would not order that. There is a distinction I want to make sure you understand. I would suggest it because if an, if an attorney is told by the judge you must do something with their client, that's one thing. If the judge says, have you guys considered doing this and you agree to do it, that takes it off my plate. Now it's on your plate, meaning that I asked you if you wanted to do it and you did it because if we're adults here, and I assume they are because they were married at one point in time, if they're adults, they should be able to resolve this. They should, on some level, DVDs. They're fighting over DVDs. Now, like I said, would you guys and you guys get together and all four of you walk through where these places are, where these things are that you think are, you're, are worth fighting over, and make a list of them. Then the four of you sit down in a conference room afterwards and discuss it. Because there are going to be some things where they're going to say, you know something, while that microphone there, you got that in 1984, whatever, 87. Uh, on the other hand, I know for a fact that you got this car here, and uh, it was given to us by a neighbor. 
So why isn't that both of our car? Couldn't that be both of ours? Theoretically, it could be. It could be. And so you may have to negotiate on some things. And unfortunately, a lot of divorces go this way. People are unhappy, scrapping over every little last thing. And believe it or not, your life probably go better if you moved on. The faster you move on, the faster you'll start healing. But again, I don't want to be a judge. Don't want to be a judge. <laughs> but the interesting thing here is that this judge went so far beyond the pale that it was absurd. And it's taken these guys all this time to litigate this to get this good ruling. So it's a great ruling from the Institute for Justice. Victory. Appeals court unanimously denies judicial immunity to West Virginia judge who personally searched a home and ordered items removed. And she was walking through someone else's house barefoot. Barefoot. So a robe, figuratively speaking, but no shoes or socks. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put a link to the Institute for Justice in the description below the video. Please visit their site. And if you find it in your heart, support them because they exist entirely off the generosity of the supporters. They do great work. Questions or comments, put them below. Otherwise, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. I'm not fond of people using trite and worn cliches. Oh, well, I guess that's just par for the course in this day and age.